Welcome to episode number three of the Chris Rose Rotation here on John Boy Media. And look who's stepping into the three-hole known other than the Tampa Bay Rays ace, Tyler Glass now. <laughs> yeah. Why you don't you don't like it? I call you the ace. Oh, that's good. There you go. That's fine. I'm not I'm not a big I don't know. No, we'll go with it. Fine. Ace. There we got a lot of good pitchers. I don't want to do the the rank thing. Oh but you, you go what you gotta do. <laughs> We're barely into spring training. You're already into team mode. It's a yeah. It's okay. You can be the look. Everybody's gonna look at you. They're gonna be like, "Yeah, they traded Snell, and Charlie Morton walked, and it's a bunch of guys who've had really good careers, but there's some injury issues and some bounce back issues, and so they look at you, this six foot eight inch Adonis, and they're like, "Yeah, you you better be the ace." So I'm calling yeah. you the ace. There you so, go. Fine. There we go. Let's go. I'll own up to it. Perfect. All right. Speaking of, I noticed that in your first spring training start, <laughs> you touched a hundred. So I. I want to know, and everybody out here wants to know before we really get going in this. When was the first time you threw a hundred? Ooh, the first time that I know I threw a hundred. It, it could have happened before, and I didn't know or whatever on a backfield. But I was in high A. I forgot where. I think I was in St. Lucie, maybe playing the Cardinals. And I remember like just feel like timed up really good. Uh, and it was the first inning, and it was I think it was like a two-two count, two outs, and I remember just being like, all right. I'm going to, I need to just throw a hundred. I don't care where this goes. I'm just going to throw it as hard as I can. And most of the time, like when you do that, you generally throw a lot slower than normal. Cause you just tense up and like, just get all out of whack. But I remember it timing up and I felt it. And right when it came out of my hand, I was like, that was, that was pretty fiery. And I looked up and it said a hundred and I'm a big radar gun checker. So I was like, Oh, nice. Very cool. And then it was a pretty cool moment. I think that's like kind of a, a big deal for like a pitcher, especially when you're climbing up and like trying to hit all these velos and how important it is now in baseball. So it was, it, I remember it actually very vividly. So, yeah. Did you smile a little bit? Like were there teammates? I was probably, probably like, just oh. like, yeah, I'm the shit. Like I'm probably like <laughs> trying to stay in game mode, but like I, I was smiling internally, but externally I was like, yeah, okay. We got a couple more innings to go. Like, have you ever gotten a catcher to shake his hand? Like, oh, I can't. No, like, no, damn, no. That, hurt. that would make my day. No, that would be great. I, in Little League and stuff, you did when you had like terrible gloves. But like, that was always like my basis of knowing if I was throwing hard too in Little League. If like my catcher would be like, oh, no, like stop doing like, I, that'd be like, all right, I feel good today. Here we go. But as as the levels went on and the gloves got better, I don't think many people get that that feeling anymore, especially how good catcher's gloves are now. Well, you know, I quit baseball because of guys like you. Well, I also quit baseball because I suck. But in eighth grade, <laughs> I really remember. Because uh, I hit 314 that year. Just want to let you know. Ooh, I remember, and that was with no speed, zero infield hits for Rose. Okay. So, uh, all right. So I, it's a, that's a real three, whatever. That's that's impressive. Yeah, that's a legit. That's yeah. a legit. Now, it was also probably like a 314 on base because I was just swinging at everything. So forget, forget drawing the walks. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I remember getting scared of the baseball. And I was like, guys started to throw hard, mm -hmm. like eighth, heading into – freshman year I was like oh man the ball's coming a lot faster and I remember and I was like it's really gonna hurt if I so I started backing away from the plate you probably yeah. ended the little league careers of some kids possibly I hit a lot of guys when I was younger too but I can relate to that like as a hitter early on especially going from like coach pitch or like t-ball to, to like people throwing everyone has like a year or two where they like once the guy throws it you just like jump back like you don't want to get hit and I think it's like should have just stuck with it. I had that for like two years too. And then I had to just figure it out. And I think it was probably my dad just being like, hey, stop. Like enough's enough. Just get hit by the ball, whatever. Like, don't worry about it. But I mean, early Little League is definitely the most terrifying time. But like right when pitchers start to throw, it's the most terrifying. I can vividly remember that too, being like, I don't want to hit. This is awful. I got it. What about in the big leagues when you step in there? Aren't you it's scared? It's still the same. I think it, like you still like, you're like a human. So like you're, you're. <laughs> just like oh okay like you kind of like you go through all the possibilities in your head of like what could possibly happen and like getting hit is one of them but i think then it's like guys have have relatively good control and like they're not really trying to go up and in on that pitch or anything but i've been hit before in 2017 against the brewers i got squared up in the back in like the second inning and i was like oh, i just had so much adrenaline that i didn't really feel it till the next day who hit you forgot i don't even know it's, it's like sh righty shortish blonde guy <laughs> uh, this is not going to help you but <laughs> that's all i remember shortish blonde guy that's all i remember so were you like god damn jesus did you stare out at him were you like come on dude it was the same thing as but it was like, like internally it was like you i was just like all sorts of emotions but externally i was just like whatever just like take my base and then you kind of get over it and i kind of have to get back to like 
the pitching mindset. But I remember just being like, oh, like, like seriously? I just got hit in a big league game. It was like the second, <laughs> I don't even remember what it was, but it was like when I was relatively new and the big league is already like intimidating and I'm just getting drilled by heaters. And I'm like, oh my God, this, whatever. But I ended up like, I think I took it like a champ and I was like, all right, I went to first and then pitch like shit the rest of the game <laughs> that's yeah, that's great that's great well we got a lot of good stuff coming up with tyler glass now one of the six members of the chris rose rotation a quick reminder hit the subscribe button wherever you download your podcast also join us on on john boy's brand new youtube channel hit the subscribe button there it's been a ton of fun so far we got some great stories we're going to find out from tyler why he's not or may not i don't want to put words in your mouth but may not be the best athlete in your family i can't wait to hear about this there's some really good stuff. Uh, we're going to spin the wheel of moderately interesting things coming up a little <laughs> bit later. So it's like a game show. You don't know, nice. only get to be a co-host or you get to play a game show. And nice. then I also have a homework assignment at the end of the show. It's Mrs. Rose. My wife used to be an elementary school teacher, so she dishes out a homework assignment each show. You okay, okay with nice. that? I'm, yeah, I'm perfect with it. It's fine. I haven't had homework in like 11 years. How'd you do at Heart High? I imagine you were pretty smart. I was. I didn't apply myself as I, I guess I would say, like, I was mostly like, it was, mo I like would do my homework, but I was a big, like, I was the kid who got kicked out of class for talking too much. I was a big, like, I'd be in math class and you have to follow all the steps and I'd follow the first two. And then I'd like talk to this person and be on the fifth step. And I was like, I'm just going to cash it in. Like, I don't like, I'll just, I'll look at the book later and like learn it myself. And then, but I was a big, like, you can't sit me in a class for an hour and have me like, listen to a teacher. I was a big, like, I got to move around. I got to talk to people. And I don't think my teachers liked me very much. I think they liked me as a person, but as a student, it was probably like, if I had to teach myself, I'd have been pretty annoyed too. So if we had to get one of your old teachers on this show <laughs> to give a real report of Tyler Glass, now the student, who would we, who do we ask? That's a really good question. Uh, my favorite teacher, his name was Mr. Kirby. I don't even know if he would like, I think he would just be like, yeah, he's like an average student. I don't even know if he would like remember me, but. Uh, what, 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 what did Mr. Kirby teach? Physics. That was my. Were you any good? Was he good or was I good at physics? Were you? Were you interested? No. <laughs> it was, I think that was the class I was most interested in for sure. But it was still like, that was my seven o'clock in the morning class. I had like a first period. Oh God. And, I, and I'm, I'm now good at 7 a.m. So I would honestly, I would come in like relatively late or um it was my senior year too and like I had good enough grades like I was always like I always made A's and B's and stuff but uh I would always like wake up at like 6 40 and she's like mom like uh, I, I just call in for me and she would like call in and I would sometimes skip my first period so which is I'm kind of like yeah I hope my mom doesn't get mad at me for saying that but it was like a big I had a, a decent amount of missed classes my senior year because it was like my, my grades were good it was yeah it was it was rough it wasn't vacation mode but I had like four classes my senior year and two of them were like a mom's dope. Are you kidding me? That's she awesome. Great. I think she was like, if you take care of your business and like you're like, you had a scholarship in baseball and I was like working out and I was like a responsible human being. She was like, all right, that's fine. I'll call in for you. If like you were like up late doing whatever last night. So where were cool. you going to go? If you, if you hadn't been drafted university of Portland, I committed way too early. I was, th I threw like 83, 86 and I'm like, it was like a D one school. And I was like, D1? Are you crazy? Oh, this is great. And I remember visiting the campus. No offense to the University of Portland, but I remember visiting the campus being like, oh, I hate it. All right, I'll, I'll come here. This is great. Like, it was just the D1 thing. And then I, I like, was like prepubescent at the time. And I like finally kind of went through a growth spurt. Like my senior year, I started throwing like 90s. And all these other coaches were like, why did you commit? To I like signed and everything. So I basically like was like, all right, I'm just going to go pro. And it was a good program. The coach I really liked. It wasn't all bad. I just think like, it wouldn't have been a, the best like spot for me to go out of high school. So I'm glad I, I went pro for sure. Well, I love it. How you said I got up there and I hated it, but it was D one. Yeah. Like, come on, like, dude. Sweet. Yeah. Presumably going to spend the next several years of your life in a place you were going to hate. Yeah. I mean, if I, I really wasn't getting looked at by too many teams at the time, it was like my junior year and they were really like involved and they, they were like supportive and really wanted me to go there. And it was a decent amount of scholarship. And I was like, all right, I'd rather just commit somewhere and just kind of have fun my senior year, like not try to like go and pitch for a scholarship. And it was, mm -hmm. it was dumb. I remember going up my senior year and just being like way stronger. Got it. All right. We got a lot of ground to cover with you. Also, one other thing. Did you bring with you your list of the three guests you want? Because we're going to do that it's up later. Here. It's up here. Oh, God. I don't have my list, but well, according, <laughs> guests, according, oh, I'm not going to remember that. <laughs> well, according to Mr. Kirby, you might not you might get through one and freeze. Yeah. 
you know? You might be right. Or Miss Tong's another one you could talk to. She hated me. I think like as a person, like if we saw each other, we'd be good. But Miss Tong sent me out of class like once a week. I was a, I was a nuisance though. That was a big, like couldn't pay attention math class. It was calculus. And it wasn't like it was hard. I was just like, I don't want to sit here for an hour and listen to calculus. Like it was just, it was hard for me to like lock in. You know what? We're going to, this is going to be therapy for you. We're going to have one of, <laughs> one of your old teachers on every time we're on the show. And we're going to break, really break just, this down. Yeah, Cause I know you're, you're a big Zen dude now. Like you meditate every day, you know, you're in yeah, touch with try. who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Were you a good student growing up or were you, what, what were your grades? Like I could assume you were a pretty good student. Okay. So I went to a private boys school on the East side of Cleveland. Very small. I graduated with 88 kids. A lot of I was not super. Oh my God. It was a grinder, <laughs> dude. It was a grinder. So it's called university school. And I was barely top half in my class, but okay. we're talking about a, a class of 88 that sent three kids to Harvard, three to Yale, three to Stanford. Yeah. Like no wow. joke. I was barely top half and got in the university of Michigan. Right. Wow. Out of school. In part, because I did, I was a president of the school. I was editor of the school newspaper. I managed two sports. I know this, you might find this hard to believe. I was not a good enough athlete to play. So I was the manager of the basketball team and the manager of the baseball team. Nice. So at least I was part of the, part of the team. That did you make cool. fun yeah, of the got... No, of Don't course not. Made... No, no, no. Our managers, I remember we didn't have any in baseball. We had it in football though in high school. And it was always like, just most of the managers were always girls. Uh, no, no, I'm not like, yeah. <laughs> but like most of the time when the, the team managers were always like, females for some reason i think it didn't depend on the sport but it wasn't like standard to have on like every sport there wasn't really a manager or or for some reason our coach didn't like want one in baseball i think he had it covered so i don't know our our baseball coach who was also our history teacher chuck selbach he pitched for five years in the big leagues he pitched for billy martin in detroit in the early 70s and billy martin actually threw his arm out Wow. So he had to go back, you know, back then they didn't have the modern medicine we have today. So he sure. went back to his alma mater and ended up being a teacher. And he was also go. our baseball coach. And he was not a hard ass at all. He was just That's like, cool. Oh, okay. He was a real thinker and a good dude. And yeah. Chuck Selbach, shout out, Chuck, if you're listening. I think there. a lot of like big leaguers who go back and coach don't end up being like the hard ass ones. Because I think they yeah. understand how hard the game is. And it's just yes. like dude, me yelling at you is not going to help you. Like it's me as a player, like I'm not the type of player who uh, likes when like a certain people get motivated like when you're lifting people like get in your face and scream at you i would like rack it and be like don't do that like i don't like <laughs> i don't like that like scream type i just want like a a good friend who can like think with you and just knows what he's talking about but like i i do think to each his own but like i would say most of the people i know that go back and coach don't have that chip on their shoulder and they're like i'm just here to develop people into being good baseball players as opposed to like you show you how much of a hard ass i am so <laughs> All right, I want to rile you up a little bit. All right. I was 15 when I suffered at the time the worst sports loss of, of my fandom, okay? 1986 AFC Championship, Browns lost a home game against the Broncos. John Elway drove 98 yards. You probably heard of it, blah, blah, blah. I was at the game. Every year after that, we didn't have YouTube back in the day, I would put in the VHS tape and watch the game over to motivate me right before the season. And hell, I didn't even play. Just as a fan, I was like... <laughs> I want to see how, you know, I want to know how much this hurts every year because when we finally win that damn Super Bowl, it's going to feel so good. Not yeah. that we ever have or have even made it. Never say no. Have never. you watched either of your starts from the World Series? No, not no. I've seen like little like snippets and highlights and whatnot, just like in passing. But like I don't like to sit and watch it like in its entirety. I haven't, I haven't done it. Especially too, they haven't been like very quality. So like for me, a lot of times like. I've learned as I get older, like what helps me move on, I guess, is like the good ones. Sometimes I can go back and like reassure, like know what I did good. And like, it's always something I can go back and check on, but like bad starts or any, I don't really like you take what you can to learn from them, but like I can process it without video. Like I know why I failed. I know, you know what I mean? Like you can get those things from it for me. Like just video is just like reliving a thing. I already, I feel like I don't need to like look over because video for me, especially on field stuff doesn't really do much for me. So it was more of like a move on. It was more of just like a, this sucks. This is a terrible feeling, but like figure out what I did wrong, put it like, write it down, do whatever I need to do and then just move on. And I've kind of just like gotten out of my mind. It's a nice motivating factor, but for me, it's not something I like hang on to. But did you have to, did you have to talk to people? Because it, listen, that's the pinnacle. Everybody's watching. 
and you didn't do as well as you wanted to? Was there yeah. somebody you had to sit down with? Was it a sibling? Was it a friend? Was it a parent? And you were like, it, it really bothers me that I didn't do as well as I wanted to. Yeah, those feelings were definitely there like the first, I'd say like all about a week. It definitely like simmered away in the off season, but like it definitely, it sucks. But for me, I think like I've been like conditioned for like the failure in a weird way. Like in Pittsburgh, that was my lowest of lows. Like I experienced like, like the worst I think I'll ever feel on a baseball field. Like the anxiety and everything of like how poorly I pitched in Pittsburgh really like built a foundation for like mental toughness for me. So like when I did fail the first time in 2019, fail, whatever, like in the big leagues and like got hit around game five, um, it was hard, but it was like easier for me to be like, all right, move on. Cause like, I think I compared it to when I feel like I was at like my rock bottom and I'm like, oh, it's not even near as bad. And I think <clears throat> if anything, I was like relatively lucky to go through that situation because even when I was with Pittsburgh, my biggest fear was going to the big leagues and just like, doing bad not just doing bad but like like kind of like snowballing into this like anxious weird thing and, and that happened like my biggest fear actually came true and i remember walking away from it being like oh like it sucks but like it's not that bad i'm still here like i have my family i have my friends and i think that's kind of how i experienced it in the world series too of like this really sucks and everything but like i didn't try to do bad like i you know what i mean like i went out i gave it everything i did i worked too hard to like let it fester in my brain to where like I think it gives me a better like mental foundation to like, I experienced my biggest fears losing in the world series or like not helping my team win. So I got to feel that. And like, yeah, I even came away from it being like, Oh, really not that bad. So I think it like, if anything, it's really helped me understand that like, it's, it's not the end of the world. It's just, it's a huge, it's a big deal to pitch in the world series, but it's not like the most meaningful thing in my life. Absolutely not. Like I have other things that I prioritize, but it's definitely like, I'm obsessed with baseball. Any big leaguer is. Well, it's interesting because fans might listen to that and they might say, all right, well, I get it. You know, Glassnow, like he's trying to find some balance, but it means a lot to me. Why doesn't it yeah. mean more to him? I think that's probably why they're not big leaguers because <laughs> I'm not like, I think it's a great to care. I think, but like for me, I want to go out and perform and me dwelling on something and like being sad about something doesn't help the outcome like however i interpret the situation doesn't make it easier like i like you know what i mean of course it sucks and like i work extremely hard to make sure i don't repeat my mistakes but at the end of the day you have to figure out like what it is you need to work on and then just turn the page because like Got sitting it. there and dwelling and ruminating over it like anyone who's ever experienced any type of like anxiety or like stress or anything can understand like you need to just flip the page like you don't you can't dwell on it okay with that being said you guys as the Rays always do, even though you were at the top of the American League, massive changes again, particularly to the starting rotation, right? Snell gets mm -hmm. traded. Charlie Morton moves on to Atlanta. And, you know, everybody looks at the Rays, and you got, I, I looked at the stat. You guys have thrown the fewest innings of any starting rotation combined the last five years, and obviously that's an organizational decision. Mm -hmm. Are you at the point where you can go into Kevin Cash's office and be like, Listen, I, I want to be able to be that guy that gives you eight innings because it doesn't. Yeah. As a fan, it doesn't feel that way. Yeah, I think like I have two sides of this. Like I, I can understand like I really have kind of an like analytical brain. Like I can understand I can understand the number side of it. And like if you present me the data and show me like what works and what doesn't, like I'll look at it and I'll give you like an honest opinion. Like I'm not going to be like a bias on, on either side. But there's been a lot of times in the season where I've like been taken out too early like i feel like i've been taking it out too early and like i i i get angry like cash knows that too and like he's not doing it because he personal like it's i just think it's like the formula that they've used and to their defense like it's worked like we win a lot of games every year and sometimes i don't agree with it personally like if i'm really rolling there's certain times you need to understand the emotional aspect of a game when someone's on they're on and you gotta let them ride but like i appreciate that they're willing to like they treat it more of like like a like a poker game, I guess, which that might turn some people off. But I do think like there's some importance and some value in like sticking with a game plan as far as data goes. Like whether I agree with like throwing a lot of innings or not, like I don't think he'd gone past the sixth inning for like two years. I think in that situation, you have to leave him in. Like that's when like the analytics can, you can overthink it. But I mean, I think a lot of guys in that dugout were like, we saw it coming. Like we knew because we've seen it for two years. And I think if there's any silver lining that can come out of that situation, it's like maybe maybe the Razor cash will reevaluate in the future of like when a guy is on, like don't just go full bore into the data, like really understand it from like an emotional aspect. So, and cash does that. I just think he's 
you know. Well, yeah, because listen, 99% of America, if not all 100%, didn't understand the move. And we're talking about yeah. what happened with Blake Snell. The, I love what you guys do. And I have been on your formula for years. I, I think it's brilliant. I think the one area that we miss out is we don't know the day that Blake Snell is going to pitch the best game of his life. We don't yeah. know the day. The, the baseball gods do not call down to the dugout and say, hey, this is Tyler Glasnow's day. This is the day he's going to be unhittable. And yeah. to me, that's the feeling I got. Not like I understood it. Mm-hmm. I understand the idea and the process behind it. It doesn't sometimes allow for that special moment. And that's what hurt me as a baseball fan because I didn't care yeah. who won. Yeah, I think it depends. Like, like, I don't know. Each team has their own formula for winning, but I think that's like certain. I mean, and fans, of course, want like the special magical moments of it. But like, if you were to put yourself in an owner's shoes or like a GM shoes, like the magical moments are extremely important. But like, your number one goal is to win. Like, your number one goal, and like, I think they thought they put them. But that could have helped you win, don't you? I mean, exactly. Like, I don't. That that magical moment could have been it. A hundred percent. But I think too, like the way ga- the game has shifted, I like the the people that run baseball in a sense, like the front office people don't think emotionally. Like they're very much like nerd is not the right word. Like it's, it's all, it's all has to be on paper. You have to prove it. Everything has to be in order and the numbers, have to, which sucks. Right. But like, I can see both sides of it. I think it, like okay. with anything, you can't lean too left too right. Like it has to be somewhere in the middle. And I think, like I said, the silver lining will be, hopefully they can reevaluate down the line when like this situation happens again they can be like okay we can look at it for what it is and understand like maybe don't take them out but also i don't think you should throw out all the analytical stuff or anything like that no, too. I'm with you. it's it's yeah okay i don't know if you uh i know you have social media but i don't know if you saw a few weeks ago what what wendy's did you know they yeah they threw out this great tweet where it's time for everybody's favorite made up social media holiday it's national roast day like right now so drop a roast me below and feel the burn and yeah. so your organization got in on the fun and said go ahead wendy uh, absolutely roast us keep it <laughs> spicy like your nugs and so wendy's replied we're surprised you didn't pull your social media manager in the middle of writing that great tweet <laughs> yeah i saw it a few times i had it sent to me a few times too that was i mean good for wendy's that's definitely that's a nice little that's a jab for sure but yeah um yeah, I don't know. That's crazy. I think too. I can see both sides of it. To where like Cash did mention like even that like just in, like passing like a joke about like fucking Wendy's is tweeting at me and stuff like, which is hard too. And he's not a guy like Cash is a guy. He's hard not to root for. Like he's such a yeah. he's a great human, really good coach. I think he like I haven't talked to him in depth about it, but I, I'm assuming he would probably go back and change what he did. Like I think he's mm-hmm. just a human. Like he made a mistake in that way. But I think too, if he takes him out. And someone comes in and like we end that inning cleanly. I think the narrative is a bit different, but I still think totally. at the end of the day, like strip away all that stuff. It's still like Blake was on one. Like everyone in the stadium knew it. All right, let's move on to this team. You're in camp now with the guy you were traded for, Chris <clears> Archer. <throat> Have we had any talk about it at all? Yeah, I've, oh, we talked like not specific, like in depth about the trade. I think like people that are outside of it. Think, like make it more important than it really like players i have no control over how i get traded or who i get traded for and he i think he's got the same mentality it's like there's not much to talk about there's not like we talk about everything other than that kind of like it's just like yeah like we all know we got traded like there's not really what else where do you go from there like we've talked about the differences in organizations and like it's been cool to know that he's been there and then here and like what the differences and stuff are um but we talk more like pitching philosophy and like just normal stuff and he's he's one of those players too that isn't just like consumed with baseball he has like a personality outside of baseball totally so like we can talk about a million things so yeah but isn't it did you did you once you got traded it was you and meadows and i think another piece for archer boz did you oh right okay right yeah yeah did you guys um, disgusting i know i know i heard he's throwing nasty so did you keep an eye on what Chris Archer was doing? I mean, isn't that natural? Uh, I like not like specifically. I think if I saw it on like a, like you watch MLB Network or whatever, and like you can like see all the highlights and like you know what people are doing. It was my old organization. I haven't heard of that so, network, like, by the way. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's just in passing. Like, I have a lot of like mutual friends with him too. Like Cole Tucker's really good friends with him, and like obviously yeah. people being there. And I always knew he was like a 
a good dude. So to be completely honest, like I would watch and I, I wanted him to do well. I wanted him to go there and like shove. I don't want anyone to feel like I doubt Archer took it to heart. It's not like he had the injury stuff, but like I wanted it to be like everyone got traded and everyone did well. So everyone would shut up about it. Like it's, it's not like that's the number one question people ask me, which I don't mind. Like it's an interesting topic, but like it would just, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's just whatever. It's a dumb, you could say Rose. Just, <laughs> no, that was a good I question. It's fun. You got to give the people what they want. I was no, actually going to ask you before too. What? Hold on. All right, finish it. Sorry. I was going to ask you a question no. before on that, but it, to mix it in, what is the hardest part of your job? Like I described about like the, for me in 17, like the mental aspect of it was really, really like, that's where I grew the most experiencing like failure and whatnot. Like for you, because I don't know your world, like what is the hardest thing for you to go to work with it like what is your greatest stress if you want to even talk about it on here yeah no it's a great question the greatest stress this is not stressful i've never yeah. even you know for three years i worked on fox saturday baseball and i was the guy that did the trophy ceremony yeah. after the 2009 10 and 11 world series i was the guy that was interviewing you know i the commissioner and then the owner and then the manager and then all the players so that was my yeah. role and that was the most pressure-packed role i've ever had like, I don't ever remember being nervous about any yeah. of that stuff because you guys like don't get nervous really either. It's kind of what you do and who you are. Mm -hmm. I do remember the first time I handed out the American League Championship trophy, I think in, or actually it was the World Series in 2009. It was at brand new Yankee Stadium. I remember looking up and I did, I had this moment because my mom had died a year and a half earlier. And she was, she was everything to me a huge, huge sports fan mm -hmm. and just so supportive. And I was like, that's what it made me sad that my mom couldn't be there to see it. Yeah. That's what I thought about before everything. I like cleared my mind for a second. I knew what I had to do, but I thought about her for like 30 seconds. And I remember like yeah. tearing up kind of, you know, they bring that huge stage out. Yeah. And I think that that's like, I'm a very emotional guy. Mm-hmm. And I, you saw it on the last few days of intentional talk. Like I was crying my eyes through that stuff because I didn't want to leave. The, the hardest part for me is separating like what's going on with my family from doing these shows. Once yeah. I'm doing shows, it's great. I mm -hmm. love, I dig. I always consider myself a producer that happens to do podcasts or TV or whatever it is I'm doing. But for me, it is hard to separate. Like when my kids yeah. are hurting, that's a hard thing for me. You'll yeah, experience sure. that one day. It's weird, but that's the biggest challenge. Everything else I live for. I love doing research. I love finding stories on you guys and stuff like that. Yeah. It's the rest of it that makes it hard. You know, I got yeah, a 20 year old who's kind of struggling and, yeah. and I want to be there for him, you know, every day. And that's hard. Where is he going to school that's, again? Well, that's the point. He's not, he's oh, okay. in between. Yeah. He doesn't mind me sharing that. It's not easily. He's, he's going to listen to this, but he's and it's OK. I tell him this all the time. His mom and I tell him all the time. There are so many kids in your situation, particularly now in the pandemic. Yeah. And he's you know? 20. Like it's not. He's yeah. 20, he's not right? 45. He's 20. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's kind of like you. He's tall. He's thin. He's got great hair, but he doesn't throw 100. Sure. So. Oh, well, he does, but it's two pitches at 50 miles an hour each. So <laughs> yeah, if you add them yeah. up, then it's 100. Yeah, there you so go. That's kind of the yeah. fun part. I have a family um, friend in the same situation. Kind of, it's funny. I actually know a lot of people who are like from 18 to like 22 right now. It seems like Strugglesville, man. it's different. Like, it's just like a whole different progression now. Like, I don't want to be the guy like, totally. oh, when I was younger, like, but it is much, much different. It just seems like mm -hmm. it's harder to like. I don't know. You just like establish yourself so young. And like, I didn't know what I wanted. I did want know what I wanted to do when I was 18, but like, I knew nothing else. Like we're 20 years old. Like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to go to mm -hmm. school for. Like, so it's tough. Yeah. So listen, he's, he, he'll be great because he's such a good people person and he's got yeah. such a good heart. So I know that those are the really good things, but if yeah. anybody out there listening wants to give a 20 year old, a, you know, a shot at anything, <laughs> you know, just tweet me or, or what have there you. Go. So there you go. Hope you're enjoying the Chris Rose rotation. Don't mind us. We have to tell you about some crazy deal that DraftKings is offering. Jake, would you consider Duke an underdog this year? Yeah. So if you bet they four, stunk. Yeah. If you bet four dollars <laughs> on Duke and they win. No, wait, it's not even if they win. What is it? Jim, it's not that. Bet four dollars on an underdog and select college basketball games. And if they win, you collect two hundred and fifty-six dollars. 
I feel attacked by the math there. Yeah, that's Betting four up. to win 256. That's messed up. I don't know. that When it was one to win 100, I could do those odds. But anyway, DraftKings the is bank always is open. doing stuff. So use code that's a, that's a ROSE. It's a double entendre. The bank is open. Like a bank shot. Bank and shot. Like, bank. Download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ROSE. When you sign up, turn $4 into $254. If the underdog of your choosing pulls off the upset, that's code ROSE to turn $4 into $256. Did I say that last time? For a limited time. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or... In Indiana, one 9 with it. Back to the show. One thing we're going to do this year that I think is really fun is people love lists. And so I asked you to do a little work. You know, I always know it's so hard to face Mike Trout. Like, I get it, right? Mm-hmm. Who would want to do that? Or Freddie Freeman. Give me three under-the-radar hitters, in your opinion, that are super tough, challenging for you to face, and why. Uh, there's a kid in our organization named Ryan Sullivan, who's a catcher, who's like one of the better bat to ball people I've ever seen. And I've faced him a few times and he always does well against me. Um, <clears throat> Jay Bruce has always done. I feel like every time I faced him, I'm always like, you're, you're good. Um, who else? What is it about? Is it something that Jay Bruce does or is it that it's just kind of, it could just be dumb luck. I think it's or, just I like, no, I feel like it's just. I, I don't know. It's just like you almost feel like certain guys you face like know what you're going to throw. And like they're just on time on everything. It's like, like you almost sequence and you're like, oh, there's no way he's going to think this is coming. And then like you're just so on time. Um, so it's just I think it depends too. To, like when you find a hitter who's like on time and like just feeling himself in that moment, like that hitter might always win no matter how you're feeling, I guess. And like as a pitcher, when you're on on, like it doesn't matter who you're facing, but like it's a time in between. So a lot of times, too, it's like fine. Like depends on when you face someone when their timing's good and they're like in their zone and they're doing well or a time when they're like not doing very well and they're like kind of out of whack but um yeah i'd say those two and then uh, oh my computer's bugging out um who else adam frazier's always been good and Meadows, but that's a boring answer. But like Adam Frazier's always been like a good, like he's just a baseball player. Like he's not a lot of guys. I think when I face them, will sell out and like swing as hard as they can. But like the guys that will really like just want to bat to ball it and like try and sell out and like really play like old school baseball rather. Like those are the dudes that I think do pretty pretty well against me. So are you a guy that like when you read a scouting report or something, do you know like who's got great numbers against you and who you own? For me, like I'm. Like, I know where hitters' weaknesses are and whatnot, but, like, I'm always going to pitch to my strengths. Like, I think it's a more, like, a confidence thing of, like, I know that if I'm on, like, my best stuff will get your best stuff out. And so mm-hmm. I think it's, like, more of the aggressive mentality of doing that. And then when the days that I don't necessarily have it or I don't feel good, then I can kind of, like, work off of the scouting report. But I think all in all, like, I'm going to be a guy who pitches to my strengths more so than, like, trying to outsmart the scouting report or something like that. But, like, if guys have glaring holes on certain types of pitches, I'll, like – you want to expose them on that. Like a free pass is a free pass, not a free pass, but like you make it easier on yourself. But for the most part, like I'm just trying to like pound the zone and do what I do to most every hitter. So do, do you get, do you talk to yourself on the mound? Internally? Like I, I wouldn't, I'm not just like, come on Tyler, but like I'll definitely have like an internal dialogue. <laughs> definitely. I think everyone does. I don't even, I don't, if someone says no, like they're either like, lying or just they don't know like everyone has that person in their brain everyone has like the that like oh what if you do this what if you do that like you have like that thing that's spitting out all these options and it's like what you choose to listen to that's why i like baseball so much it's like you get put into such a high stress situation to like that little voice is so much louder and it's like every single time you pitch it's like a rep to like master that little voice you just like learn how to work with yourself in high stress situations so uh that i mean yeah that's probably i mean i'd say I'd talk to myself for sure out there. Are you a snapper? Sorry, my computer's bugging out. Say it again. Are you a snapper? What does that mean? <laughs> We've never. How long have you played baseball? A snapper? Do you snap? Oh, like, like no, 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 dude. 
this headphone sucks. I need to get a new one. <laughs> I am not a snapper. Like with my hands, people do that. No, no, not a not this. Like guys, it's usually more position players. Like they have a crappy at bat, and you know Paul O'Neill used to kick the Gatorade cooler. Or, oh, you know, a snapper like snap. The, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Snap. Yeah, I'm a snapper. I will I will break some shit for sure. Like really? I definitely like and it was something what like earlier in my career there everyone was like you need to like figure like don't it was like trying to suppress that to like you just got to be like locked in and blah blah blah. But like for me if I have a bad inning and I go in and like do just give it like one like huge just loud explicit something, it's gone. Like I'll go in I'll do what I need to do. I'll get my frustration out and then I'm good to go. I don't even think about it. It's completely cleared out of my head as before I would try to like, no, I don't want to do this. I have to be like Zen-like and like, don't get all angry, but like, I would just hold on to it and try to like, my day became more about like trying to control my emotions as opposed to like trying to go out and compete. And I know so many good big leaguers that like snap. I just think it depends on your personality where I was like, okay, I've seen these guys do it. It's like you can clearly have success and still do it. So now I just embrace it. Like it, it definitely, you don't want it to get to the point where you're like, you're just so angry you can't pitch. But like for me, it's definitely easier to just like pop off and then bam, I'm good. And I can go focus on baseball again. Like, do you ever break shit? Yeah. Oh! <laughs> okay, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've broken some stuff in, in dugouts and stuff like that for sure. Yeah. Like, like toilets what? and like, like towel dispensers and like whatever's kind of in my way to be honest. Not in my way, but like in my clear sight. It's just like a definitely, it doesn't happen very often, but when it like, it's, it's not something that like you do consistently. It's just those very rare times in a season where you're like something happens and you're just pissed off and you just kind of kind of have to like let it out. Well, it's funny because in the mid eighties, there was a left-handed pitcher for the uh, Cardinals primarily named John Tudor. Good. Apparently he had the ass all the time. And I think if, if my memory serves me right, he punched a fan with a left hand and was out. I forget if it was for a playoff game or some substantial pennant run yeah. or what have you. So this is your right hand. This is your moneymaker. Keep this out of the equation. If you ever have to punch stuff or throw shit or whatever, just take a Don't, deep not breath. With the right hand. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah I've never, I'm not any, throwing anything with my right hand. No way. No, I yeah. need to have like enough wherewithal, like, especially too, if it was like any sort of on field something, that's always the first thing I think about. Like, don't like, right hand behind your back. And like, it's something too, you don't think about in the moment, but like I have friends who have like used their right hand and like just had like something like still to this day bother them, like hitting something. I just, yeah, I would definitely be like more of a left-handed like punch thrower for sure. Okay. God, I love yeah. this about you, man. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're a snapper and that you used to get kicked out of classes in high school. This is really this I got kicked out of class in high me. school for, for being like happy and talkative. It wasn't like me being a dick. It was me being just like ADD brain. That was more of it. But yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, let's let's move on. Uh, one of the other members of the Chris Rose rotation is your old teammate in Pittsburgh, Stephen Brault. And so we said, okay, you got to give us a good glass now story. And he kind of went through the old mental roll decks. He's like, yeah, I can't share that one. Can't share that one. And then uh, he focused on on you. Uh, being this Adonis. So let's listen to Stephen Brault from the Chris Rose rotation. I have seen Tyler Glass now do a lot of things. He can 360 windmill dunk. He's the fastest person I've ever seen. He could be an Olympic sprinter. I'm convinced. He could be an Olympic distance runner. I'm convinced. Is okay. He's just an athletic freak in general. Okay. But for some reason, when he was in the big leagues rotation in 2017, he was just not good. And, you know, I don't know what happened. It was something mental because he was only throwing like 92 miles an hour for like multiple starts. Turns out something was wrong mentally because they sent him down to AAA and I was in AAA when he got there. And Tyler Glasnow's first game back in AAA, we were in Norfolk against the Orioles AAA team. He went six innings, no hits, 15 strikeouts and he was sitting a hundred miles an hour the whole game. And it was like, what is going on here? Like what happened? But I'll never forget that, that, that first game back down in Norfolk, where it was just like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever watched in my entire life. It was crazy. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. I remember that game. I remember that time too. That was a lot was to unpack here. Oh yeah. A lot to unpack sure. here. Let's start yeah. with um, what was wrong with you in Pittsburgh? 
For me, I've always looked back at it as being like, that was the only time I'd ever been like faced with failure. Like it was very much like, so, so many times I would always hear people being like, at some point you're going to have to fail and like fail hard and learn from it. And I was always like, yeah, that sounds like a mighty ducks line. Like, sure. Like whatever you say, like, it sounds like (laughs) bullshit to me. And like, it was just, I got called up when I was like 22 and I was not ready just because I had no idea like what it was like to fail. And I got called up and I remember being out there and like, I was just so like, it's, you work your entire life and like you, you're so obsessive about what you do and like to like do everything you do to get to that moment. And it was just like the, that feeling of fear being like, what if I don't do good? And that was kind of what overtook my brain. And I think once I stopped, like I, my first one was bad. And then my second one, my third, it kind of just snowballed. And then finally, what people are always telling me what I needed to learn, I was exposed to it on like a national scale as opposed to doing it in low A or high A or double A or something to where I was like under the radar learning how to get through all this adversity. And I think it just snowballed and compounded in which I'm extremely grateful for now because I feel like it was full blown. Like that was the worst situation I could have been in, but it, I came out the other side, like way, way stronger. If I were to fail on like, um, a stage where no one was watching, like I, I do think I would have learned my lesson, but like in the way in which I learned it is very meaningful to me today. I think I compare most of my stresses to like how I felt in 16 and 17 to where like, I feel like I can kind of get through anything and stress is relative. Like I understand, like when you look at it on like the bigger picture, like failing in the big leagues is still a, a pretty big, like it's a champagne problem. Like I'm in the big leagues failing, at least they're, they're still paying me. Like I'm, you know what I mean? But when your whole life is all about baseball and you get up there and you don't seize the moment, you literally do the complete opposite. Like it took its toll on me for sure. Like it changed me for the better a hundred percent. But um, it was just this weird mental block. Like I just got like, I could, I was so stiff. I couldn't, I had like no fun. I had no feel. And finally, I just think hitting rock bottom enough, like you get put in that same situation over and over again, your brain's finally like, okay, what can we do differently now to where you don't feel like this? And it just kind of happened to where like, you just get a little confidence. You do well once, do well twice. And then I got traded to the raise and like that whole mentality shift of like, throw it down the middle and the people. I was around Pittsburgh were great too, but in Tampa, it was so much more relaxed. Like it was very much go play baseball. And I start, I like fell back in love with baseball and I started to like, and like through this whole process, I never, my work ethic never like varied. It was very much like that is my mental. That's what grounds me for sure. Like physical activity is what like keeps the demons out as they say, I guess, like kind of like keeps my, my stress in check. And so that was never a question, but it was just more of like, the in rep and like trying to figure out the mental game. And then like, it all just kind of came together and I'm still a student of it. I'm still learning it. But like my mindset now compared to three years ago is like, I don't even, I can't even like recognize that person. So. That's great. That's good. Honest stuff there, man. Uh, But I want to get back to the first part of what Brault said. Mm -hmm. Can you do all that stuff? Can you 360 dunk? Yeah. Yeah. I can do, I can, I'm the six, eight. I mean, it's not like I I can jump relatively good too. So it's like, yeah. Well, you mean you still got it? I mean, six eight. If you were six eight and you were like, "Yeah, I can dunk," I'd be like, "Yeah, I would hope so." But <laughs> to be six eight and three sixty, now we're talking about some athleticism. Yeah, uh, I, I have a really athletic family, and I played basketball and stuff growing up. And I did high jump was my number one sport. Like, if I didn't play baseball, I would be doing high jump and wherever. Or like, really? my brother did decathlon at Notre Dame. I probably would have done decathlon. Um, so, like, I I learned how to like have like running ups. I guess like I'm a one foot dunker because I just did high jump my entire life. So. I think there was like practice involved with it, but I just think like for me, jumping and like running and stuff has always been like a big part of my life. And it's always, it's just been something that I was like good at from a young age. So I just. Someone tell me you're one of those. You're not one of those guys that gets the runners high and shit like that. Are oh, you? Hell yeah. I'm a full blown. Oh. Yeah. That's like, yeah, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a full blown like workout addict for sure. Like, and that's, it's, there's worse things to be addicted to. So like, Yes. It's 100% like my staple every day. I have to get like some sort of runner's high every single day. Like I, I don't like, I'll go on the elliptical. It's mostly I get through like mobility and like I don't want to lift too much in season, but like I have to like, that's the feeling I'm trying to to get. That's like how I start my day off. I have to get that. And it puts me in a, like my spirits are better. Like I'm more compassionate. Like it just makes me a better human being. So I'm like, why don't I just do it every day? And I've been on that routine for years. So it's hard not to. That's awesome. It's so good for you. I, I love it. I, I've tried to impress it upon our kids my wife is a workout freak i have i've dropped 30 pounds in the last year but that's because my doctor is like what the fuck are you doing like (laughs) i remember when i was 49 he's like listen dude you are about to hit 50. you are 40 pounds overweight if you don't lose weight we're gonna be talking about some bad stuff going on yeah so that's what really kind of got me going and just eating better and stuff like that but my brother my oldest brother bob 
used to be a marathoner. He mm-hmm. clocked in the New York City Marathon at 2.59 one year. Like, that's wow. no joke. That, yeah, yeah, that's, that's like, crazy. Yeah, that's like less than 50 minutes behind the, the winner, which yeah, isn't bad. Nice. Were you a marathoner? Can you run? No, I'm too. Like, I'm a big, like, I need to find, like, low impact stuff. Like, I want to play for a long time. And I used to, I still run, but, like, I don't, I'm, like, 6'8 and weigh, like, 235 to where, like, that, mm-hmm. the pounding on my knees and whatnot. Like, I try to find, like, more like low impact stuff to get like to achieve that same feeling to like loosen me up. But there'll be times in the off season, like especially like straight out of the off season where I don't need to like worry about it. Uh, I'll, I'll run a, a good amount, but I'm more of like a sprint type person or like if I need to do something like a long bike or like a long elliptical or something, what is, I want to ask you this. What is, I don't know if vice is the, the good word. Like I would say my vice is working out. Like that's my, what is your go-to like to get you back on your, Let's stop right here. That's your vice. <laughs> it's not a vice. Your vice <laughs> you know, is not whatever. working out. Like, you know what the I mean? Vice like, would not be my like, vice, my... yeah, I drink six bottles of bourbon okay. a week. Like that's sure, a sure, vice. Sure. Okay? What is like, your, I what gambled brings away you back? half my yeah, yeah. earnings. Uh, what sure. brings me back? You know, it's one of the things I've struggled with, Tyler. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have enough in my life for me. It's, it sounds bizarre. Like I've always been like, I need to take care of my family. I need to make sure my wife's got everything she needs. We need to, I need to work more so we can have a better place to live. I need to make, you know, make more so that my kids can have good schools to go to and have everything they need. Like I haven't had enough me time. Like Mm -hmm. it's boring, but like, I just dig sports. I love watching you guys compete. I could sit and not move. But if my wife yells at me all the time. She's like, we got to get out of the house, loser, or I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I just, That's cool. I could, before sports were on 24-7, when I was young, they, they just weren't. We didn't have the, yeah. those capabilities. But that's all I did. I would wake up on a college football Saturday, and from noon until all the way through midnight on the East Coast, I would just watch games. I wouldn't do anything else. Really? Friends would be like, Yo, we're rolling out tonight. I'm like, huh, you kidding me? BYU and Utah are on later. They're like, what? Yeah, that's a, yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> so then that's when crazy, I became though. a sportscaster, they were like, yeah, of course you did. Yeah. Because you loser, you couldn't do anything else. You would never want to go party with us or hang out with us and yeah. stuff like that. That's sick, though. You got to do like your passion and now is your oh, job. Absolutely. And like, we are in a weird little boat like that. Like, I've only liked baseball yes. my whole life. Like, and I, now I get to play it. That is cool. It's great. Are you kidding yeah. me? My dad used to tell me, and my dad's been gone uh, nine years now, but he used to say it all the time, especially when I was on the best damn sports show, period, because we would have. Did you ever watch that as a kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, I, I know of the show. I don't I can't like remember yeah. going back, back in time and like, wow, there's Chris right. Rose. <laughs> like, I don't really like how, but I'm 27. Oh, my God, this is disgusting. Um, <laughs> it is. How old are your parents? uh my like older actually my mom is 66 my dad's 62 63 62, oh yeah they're, you know. <laughs> they're old those are those are some old parents there it's crazy they're like the youngest people i know too it's awesome my mom still has a six-pack and she's 66 she is uh she's a physical specimen my dad big workout guy too like they are very much like i'm i'm grateful to have like old like wiser not old but like older for like parents but they're also like young they do a bunch of stuff i've so many like outdoor activities and vacations and like they're still very young at heart so and so is it just you and your brother me and my brother yeah and what what's his name ted okay now ted you you mentioned he was a decathlete at notre dame that's no joke man that's like dan and dave type shit spin up that uh that ad from back (laughs) in the olympic days of like 30 i remember that actually okay so how good is like what was his best event Oh, we we did high jump a lot growing up. He was really good at throws. He's like really, really strong. I like find a picture of him working out. He's like the most shredded human being when he was in college. It was incredible. But he like, I'd say his throws were really good. Discus was good. Javelin was good. Uh, high jump was good. I think he was so big, like the running events weren't his strong suit, but he was always good at everything. I think hurdles was probably the hardest event. Um, but yeah, weirdly enough, he had... Tommy John and I have not had Tommy John's going to knock on some wood here, but he, the first time he ever went to college, they don't teach you how to throw javelin in high school. So he went in his first like decathlon and they were like, just throw the, throw it. <laughs> and he went and just threw it completely wrong and busted his Tommy John. It was just terrible. So he had to like figure all that not out. Not laughing but, at it. Yeah, I am. That's fine. <laughs> so I mean, what's the age gap between you two? He's 
30 now. So 27 and 30, like two and a half years. Okay. So I imagine the competition between two primo athletes was fierce. It was weirdly enough, like it was very much like all love growing up, like younger, younger, like we would hundred, I can vividly remember us getting like wanting to throw blows at each other. But like, as we got older, which I'm grateful for now, like we got to the level of like, we would like younger, younger, we'd compete against each other and like be at each other's necks. And then we got to a certain age where we would like kind of support one another. And like the competition turned into like, how can I help you? How can you help me in a weird way? And like, we never got like too crazy with it, but there's still so much competition. Like if we're doing something and like I beat him, he's still going to get mad. And like, if, if he beats me, like I'll, it depends on what it is, but like, we, I mean, we're both two competitive people, but I think the, the majority of it is just like, it's all love. Like we both just want to see each other like do well. So if he, like, if Aww. I do really well and he does bad, I don't want to him to do bad. I want him to, to do better than I do. And so <clears throat> depending well, on what it is, but yeah. It's very, it, there was a great story uh, on some local yokel during the world series. He actually came to Arlington last year to watch you pitch. Mm-hmm. You pitched game one. And Mookie Betts not only got on base in the first, but he also stole a base, which meant that yeah. everybody got Two. Taco Bell and yeah. for the nationwide promotion. And so he took a nice little jab at you. I want you to give a listen to this interview that he gave. I'm the older brother and, of course, the exceptional athlete. And every time I would beat him in something, he would go off in a corner and pout. And, he, and when you asked him, hey, man, what's wrong? He would go, I just want Taco Bell. So I think it's poetic justice that he ended up giving Taco Bell to the entire country. Hell yeah, it is. It's the best story ever. No, yeah, I do. I'm, there's like home videos of me too, just like all mad in the car and like, I'm just want Taco Bell. I'm just a fat kid at heart. So that was that was my that was my vice as a kid, Taco Bell, the shitty beef tacos. <laughs> I would do a, a chili cheese burrito, Ooh, and nice. I, yeah. I mean, that's I'll still get down still? Taco Bell. Oh, yeah. I mean, if I'm like with my friends or like not, it's like a one in a, a blue moon, especially like in season, I eat like really healthy, but I'm a healing. Like, of course, if I go out and like have a fun night with friends, like I'm, I'm not going to not eat Taco Bell at three in the morning. Like you have to do what you say. Do sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Go nail that. Yeah. By the way, a few things. I love that he told that story and is killing you for instead of being like, hey, man, it's OK. He's killing no. you. If he did that, I would. Base. Yeah. That's the thing, like, like I, I need him to still be real. Like, I would never want him to be like, hey, okay. Like, that's not how we communicate. Like, we're very much, like, hard on each other. Our whole family is. Like, we all just talk shit to each other. So, like, yeah, it's it's fitting. And it always, too, like, that wasn't, like, a great thing that happened. Like, obviously, like, that was a failure in a sense of letting, like, all these stolen bases. But, like, if yeah, exactly. Like, if you were to be, like, oh, oh, I would just be, like, ew. But, like, making a joke <laughs> out of it is, like, the greatest thing you can possibly do. And we just kind of have that same like dialogue. So it, it was right. funny. I remember seeing that interview and laughing my ass off after. It's really good. By the way, Robbie, yeah. I want to bring up the, that, that video. I just want to see the picture of Ted. Did you guys get a two for one Groupon at the haircut salon <laughs> or something? I mean, what's I going on with it, the like, hair? He, we, we've always gone back and forth. Like I've had long hair, even as like a little kid and I was like a little skater in California. Like I was in middle school and elementary school. I always had long hair. And then like, we've always just gone back and forth. And he, I remember growing my hair out and I was like, you should be long haired twins. And he's like, all right, whatever. Like, I don't even think there's a real plan. I just think we both like go long hair, short hair, long hair, short hair. We just can't decide. There are my wife. Every time you pitch, she's like, his hair is sensational. <laughs> like, it, well, I mean, you know it too. You can't, you can't grow out those locks and be like, don't say, don't, I, I'm definitely, I think now. it's like, I'm not, I just, it's not, it's cool. I think it's, yeah, I don't know. My dad has, has good hair. He's always been a, he's got some good, he used to rock a ponytail back in the day. And when I was a kid, he would basically just use me as like a prop and he would just make me have like weird ass haircuts and he would like put them in ponytails. <laughs> and like, so he had the, he had some, some good hair. So I think we just kind of, yeah, I don't know. I, I would say, yeah, I have nice hair. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people wondering like how much goes into it, how much do you because, you know, Brawl told us the other day, there's guys that actually spend time on their hair when they're about to play a baseball game and put a hat on for nine innings. Yeah, like, for sure. I would say, I mean, you still got to make it look relatively good. I think, too, once it gets to a certain length and you don't do something to it, it just gets crazy. And then you can't pitch because it's all in your mouth and your hair and stuff, but like or like your eyes. But I really honestly have, do like a pretty minimal. I just like whatever stock shampoo conditioner they got, I'll use that. And then I have to find some like lotiony, oily stuff, and I just throw it in my hair because my head it gets like really, really poofy. So I basically just like whatever is available to wash it, and then I put like any sort of like 
oil product in it to try and like keep it down. But there's really not too much that goes into it. Can you go ponytail? Yeah, it's it's long enough right now. So can you pitch with a ponytail? I thought I can, but I, I choose not to. I choose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can, but I choose I'm gonna, not to. I want to avoid that. Yeah, not for me. Oh, maybe one year, but yeah, I just I let it kind of ride. I've actually been like looking to get a little hair trim, but the whole COVID thing, I don't want to break any protocol. So I think we got a barber coming in soon. Okay. All right. Um, three guests that you would like on this show. And gosh, I hope some of them are attainable. I really, I, I dig this part of the program. Yeah, they're not going to be. One of them will be. Um, so the player that I choose, Brent Honeywell, no doubt, all the time. I told him to, I was going to say this on this podcast. He's like, man, I'm not doing that. I don't want to do the media stuff, blah, blah, blah. But like deep down, he's the most, he's the funniest human being I've ever met. Very articulate. Like, and But he he's just, he's a riot. He's hilarious. But he's always like, no, nah, it's not me. I don't, I don't do that stuff. And I'm going to get him like to, because he's hilarious. You'll see he's going to be in the big leagues this year. He looks really good. And at some point he's going to have to do like on field something and people are just going to like fall. He's the funniest dude I've ever met. So he'd be my, my player. What makes him so funny? It's like the man's from Georgia and like every person from Georgia just has like amazing one-liners. He's like off the cusp. I know he's, that's how I know he's smart. Like his off the cusp answers are, are otherworldly. Like the th- you say something to him, if you're talking shit to Brent Honeywell, you don't cause he'll say something back. That's just like genius. And, and everyone, he just gets the whole room to laugh. Like, that way he communicates is it's brilliant. Like he just has really good one-liners. Okay. That's good. I, I would imagine that's pretty attainable, especially since he's going to be a rookie this year. If you're going to be like, Hey, you're coming on the Chris Rose rotation. Yeah. I mean, come on. He, he's just he like, no, I'm not I ain't doing that. I'm, 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 I'm doing that. I'm like, you're going to have to, you're going to have to man up and do it eventually. So like you better start doing it now. All right. Number two, Malcolm Gladwell. Oh gosh. For sure. I don't think he'd ever come on maybe, but like that guy, 1000%. That he'd be at like my, if you had to choose like five people to have dinner with, that guy is on there for sure. Well, wait, why wouldn't he come on? Baseball, dude. I don't I don't know. Maybe he would. Baseball? Does he like baseball? Come on. He might come on. I think I'm, I'm separating those two from like my third answer was going to be like a Joe Rogan. And I know he does not like baseball. That would be a cool guy, but I don't think, I don't know. Maybe Malcolm Gladwell would, but like, Joe Rogan seems like he'd be a guy that's like he stays away from baseball for some reason. I just think it's not something that he understands fully or like gets has any interest in. So he's like, why would I have someone on like a, a podcast that I have like know nothing about? So, but those would be my three answers for sure. What do you like about Rogan? Are you a UFC guy? Is that how you got to know him? No, or? I just like his pot. Like I like his like the style in which he speaks to people. Like I like his. He's very he's open minded and he does not bias. I like people who are very like aren't opinionated. I like opinionated people who have strong opinions, but like, I want you to be able to see both sides both sides, and like, totally that guy is very good at both sides. And I think like, that's something I always try to keep my, like, I'd never want to be too opinionated on something. Like if it's, if someone has like a passion for it, I'll never be like, Oh, that's stupid. Like I want to understand both sides of it. And like, I've been, I've been raised that way. Like my family's like that. And so everyone I know that's like good at conversation, people I like to spend time with are like that, like open-minded and not like afraid of new things. I think that's why we've had such a difficult time over the last year as a country. I really do. I think hundred thousand percent, a million percent, the, right? Because we yeah. just we like to hear ourselves talk, but we don't like to listen. Yeah, and I think that's so hard. You know? Yeah, I think it's so yeah. so hard to see both sides it, because it to me it shows a vulnerability to realize the way that you're thinking might not always be the best way to think. Yeah, hundred percent. I think too, it was like, as before, like you, I feel like, I don't know, I'm 27, but like you could have an opinion or a, a political opinion and, and like different from somebody else, but you could still be friends with that person, which is, mm-hmm. I think now like the argument is really about like, it's, it's like, you can only hang out with people that like are, are politically aligned with you and which I understand both sides of it. Like I do understand like a lot of this stuff is very meaningful to where like it seeps into your personal life, especially the stuff we're going through now. But like, I've always been around like my dad's a Republican and my mom is not like very the other way. Like they're very on the other side of the spectrum, but like Mm. they love the shit out of each other. So like I was raised knowing like, all right, you can have different political views, but still be on the same page. And like, even I guess I have friends who have different political views as me, but like, we're still very good friends. And I think that's what people have gotten away from. It's like separating the art from the artist and like Mm -hmm. not letting the artist do whatever he wants, but it's just like, you could still like a good idea is a good idea, no matter who it comes from. 
Well, we'll try to, uh, we'll see if, you know, maybe Malcolm Gladwell is a huge listener of the Chris Rose rotation. Yeah, maybe Joe Rogan's like, this is the thing that's going to finally get me into baseball. Yeah. We'll see. yeah, right. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> You're not buying it, but we're going to try. We're going to try. That would, yeah, yeah absolutely. That'd be great. That'd be freaking awesome. Or the Matthew what McConaughey, is- too, if someone doesn't want to come on. That's a good guy. That's my fourth oh, one. My- <laughs> oh, McConaughey. I just got done reading this book and I'm like, yeah, I like this guy. I've always liked him, but I like him even more now. What'd you what'd you find out that was most interesting about him that maybe you didn't know? Just the way I just kind of like the way he, th- he thinks, I guess, and like the his like psyche while going through all the stuff. It's just a cool. He like does it. He like kept a journal forever and stuff. I think it's cool. He like was consistent in what he did. So I don't know. I just think he's like articulate and like another person who doesn't like. He just kind of sees both sides of it, and he just kind of has like a guy you want to hang out with. He just seems like he, and he's like wise. He seems like he's figured some stuff out and pretty successful too. Obviously, so I think that's yeah. What's appealing he, he's about done him. all right. Yeah. Ready to play the game show that's sweeping the nation, spinning yes. the wheel of moderately interesting things. So <laughs> yeah, it looks like it. I've got 10 categories. I've only got five, but each one's on here twice. There so you go. let's see how you do it. It's, it's fun. It's brainless, but it's fun. Yeah. People like it. Ready? Yeah, let's do it. Let it roll. Let's play two. Now, I just have to warn you, this is... These are questions from from Jimmy and Jake, the the creators of John Boy Media. Nice, nice. And the last time we had one from Stephen Brawley, he goes, that is the dumbest question ever. So if they ask us a question and it sucks again, feel free to say it. And then we're going to have to re- rethink that category. So here we okay. go. Who is a fictional character that you are attracted to? Ooh. Ooh. That's a good question. Now we it's called Let's Play Two because we both have to answer it. I I, okay. I failed to announce that. Some sort of like Disney princess, no? Like what? Or like totally. um, Who is the? Oh, wait, wait. I think I got an answer. Uh, what was that show? Wait. When I was little, I thought Eliza Thornberry's sister. She was pretty. She was pretty cute. <laughs> she had like the, the, wow. the hair with like the one. I was young, young. But I'd say a Disney princess of of any type, something like that. Yeah. Okay. I um. I never uh, dated a redhead, although my wife went red-ish one time, and I was like, hey, hey, now. <laughs> hey what's uh, up? <laughs> so it was uh, Daphne from Scooby-Doo, I thought was okay, sure. all right, and then Little Mermaid. I don't know if this is weird or not, but it was the Little Mermaid, How he, I hope she was of age. I was, I was going to say the exact same thing, but I was like, she might be kind of young. So I don't know what to say. Right, if, so, yeah, I think the Little Mermaid's, yeah, right? <laughs> this is really disturbing. But <laughs> can, can anybody out there confirm how old the Little Mermaid is We're before so we answer the Little trouble. Mermaid? <laughs> right. Well, but I mean, it's not like they ever showed her ID. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I was also really, like eight years old. So who cares? That's right. like Little Mermaid for sure. Right. Yeah, I, I know that Daphne was definitely <laughs> yeah. old enough to hang. Yeah, the Little Mermaid, and I'm putting a total disclaimer on that. I don't know how old the Little Mermaid was, so I don't think she was married. adult. Yeah, yeah, she's how old totally. But that's my answer too. That would be my answer. That's a good answer. You and me, we share. She's got to be. T- she's got to be twenty something, right? I don't even remember the premise of the movie, but like she's on her own, didn't she? Like she had, like didn't she like live alone? <laughs> oh, there we go, college. Ariel. Ariel, we're looking it up. Ugh. 16? Fuck. Oh, God. We're out. <laughs> St- stricken from the record. No. <laughs> stricken from the record, Your Honor. Oh, shit. Please. Right. Nobody uh, knew it. Nobody tough. knew it. Yeah. Okay. She Ariel's a fine young woman. Yeah. And that's the answer. So, Daphne. <laughs> there you go. You're yeah. the answer. God. It's, see, that's not fair. That we didn't know. know the answer. That's True. Not we should have done our homework. Yeah. We didn't know we were gonna spin that though. We couldn't we couldn't figure out what we were gonna talk about before that. So no, whatever. No, that's learn. the beauty of the show, is you don't God, I feel disgusting now. <laughs> I have to take a breath right now. Yeah. Um before we leave, and I hope everybody's enjoyed themselves. It's been great chopping it up with Tyler Glass now. Uh we give out a homework assignment. So as I mentioned at the beginning of the show. My, my wife is a former elementary school teacher. And so mm-hmm. we give you a homework assignment each time. And so it's uh, Mrs. Rose's homework assignment for you. Sweet. You are six foot eight. Six, so seven. We, okay. Six, uh, whatever, seven. Still, the, you're yeah, very one, tall. Yeah. 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 
We want you to ask the shortest person on the raise the best part about being short. Okay. I got to who's the shortest yeah. guy on the team? It would well, be that's, that's the thing. I'll, I'll homework. I'll do it. I'll look it up. Hey, it's homework. Yeah. So do a little, right. you know, even if you have to measure some guys, go back. Hey, guys, I need you to go back to back and I need you to <laughs> video this stuff so that okay. we have access to it and we can make that happen, right? It's pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I hope someone doesn't get offended if they're if they're short. But I mean, you're a professional baseball player. It's probably probably good. Better at infield. There's so many positives that can come from it. I'm sure I'll get a good answer. Right. I mean, one of my best friends, Bailey Rice, is like five six. We were uh, roommates for a year at Michigan, and we went to high school together and everything. And he, but he walks around like he is your your height. That's how he walks yeah. around life. And he confidence is everything, right? Yeah, totally. He's captain yeah. of our wrestling team. Really good soccer player. All that sort of stuff. What's the? Nice. Uh, is there anything that's bad about being six foot seven? Uh, when you're growing up, you're you're very goofy and you're a goober for sure. But I kind of I embraced it. I'm still a weird goobery person. But uh, like growing pains, that was pretty terrible. Like the plantar yeah. fasciitis and all the knee stuff. Yeah, I that had was it. pretty rough. But and still like trying to find. I have to shop on BigShoes.com. Little free ad. There you go. Bigshoes.com or oddball.com. I wear a size 16 shoe. I can't find shoes anywhere. And like I have like four Jesus. places I can buy jeans from. I have like a 37 inch inseam. So like it's I have to get like custom stuff or I just get it online wherever. So I have to be I'm like a big online like my Google search is like 34, 36 long pants. And I have to just like <laughs> go through like 10 Google pages to try and figure out. Yeah. So I'm not a clothes guy. Like I don't spend any money on like fashion because I'm like, well, why would I? Like I'm just I have so many like a limited selection to choose from. So somebody I threw out a question. You know, I wanted people to ask you questions. Somebody threw out a good one. Do you, do you ever bang your head on stuff a lot like doorways? I actually growing up, I did a little bit. So like a doorway is like six, eight. So like if you hit it just right, like if you, if you toe plant and, and go up, you can hit it just right. But like I, I have enough like spatial awareness now to avoid the doors. But I have, I have hit my head before. I have definitely done that. That's awesome. Hey, listen, dude, did you have fun today? I had a blast hanging out. I did. That was very fun. That was cool. Okay, good. So let's do it Who's again on next? Who weeks. you got next? Uh, Miguel Rojas, I believe, of oh, the nice. Miami Marlins. Nice. Yeah, such a good dude. Yeah, see, I've only, guy. I've only, like, I think he's the player rep too. So I've heard him like talk on just like meetings. I don't know him personally, but he seems like a phenomenal person. Yeah, he's a really, really good guy. And he's the lone good. position player in our rotation. So, you know, he's he's a little bit of an outcast, but I, I'm going to make him feel, he's part of the family. So I'm going to make I'm going to wrap my arms around him and make him feel good. There you go. I wonder if there's like data on there has to be. It's easy to get. But like the people who do stuff outside of baseball have to be mostly pitchers. I feel like the schedule of a position player. Is so like it's like the mental stress you have to think about like everyday playing and like what I have to do. Like you have to like limit your obligations throughout the day. I want, it's like always well, pitchers, isn't it? That's one thing we're going to talk to him about. You know, you why go. he's on board, why he wants to do it. He loves it. He's, he's nice. you know, he's essentially the de facto captain of that team. So, yeah, and he's a he's a good man. So, too, are you, Tyler Glass. Now, quick reminder, everybody, please subscribe wherever you download your podcast. Also, check out the John Boy Media brand new baseball channel. Subscribe to that as well. You stay healthy, do your homework and um, stay away from Ariel. <laughs> I will. Those are all good things. I'll do all those things. We will see everybody the next time on the Chris Rose rotation here on John Boy Media.